as he's preaching, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just um, touch his life, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zachary. Okay. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> um, just, um, I was just thinking... Um, <clears throat> This morning's message I feel a bit awkward in bringing, which is nine times out of ten a, a good sign. So hopefully it's a good thing of things to come. Um, for those for those who know me, um, who was sorry, for those who have ever played rugby with me, uh, would know that what I can't do is I can't sidestep. <clears throat> so I run it straight. Um, and for those who don't know me or are knowing me, that's how I preach. And I can't help but be straight. I used to think that, you know what, I didn't want to offend people. And I'll be honest, God's not in me if I'm going to stand here and offend people. And I'm just saying that this morning because my heart this morning is, is, is that something would shift in the name of Jesus. I love that. I don't even know. It's a spirit of stagnation. And this morning, I, my message is aimed out there to these people, to those who are feeling stagnant. To those that in Christ Jesus you think, is this it? To those that are hungry. And to those that want breakthrough in circumstances and situations of your life. This morning, if that's you, then I'm talking to you. But I put the claimer in. Okay, I can't help but deliver it straight. And for those who do know me, they know that, you know, when I give it straight, it's because I love you. Right, let's get into it. <clears throat> uh, we are in our third week of detox, and maybe you thought that detox is just a random topic that was picked out of a hat to talk about. No, not true. Here are some God truths that will help us to have the right attitude because we know what's going on. It is the responsibility of each Christian to know what season they are in. Luke 12, 54 and 56. Jesus said, you can tell the weather by looking to the sky, and yet you cannot interpret this present time. Jesus' expectation was that they should know what season they are in. Maybe that's new to you, that you didn't know that Jesus' expectation is his people would know what spiritual season they are in. And that's okay, because you know now. How important is it to know what season you are in? It's very important. First and foremost, it's a spiritual law. Seed, time, harvest. Plant a seed, give that seed time. Receive a harvest. This spiritual principle is easily seen in the physical world. A farmer plants a seed. Over that time, the seed grows, and then it's harvest time. For a farmer to be productive, they need to know what season they are in so that they can plant appropriately. Seasons change our diets. In winter, we tend to eat more soups, and in summer, we tend to eat more barbecues. 
Seasons change what we wear and what we do. So we can see that in the natural seasons, they affect our everyday life. The spiritual principle also applies in the spirit world. We have spiritual seasons that are just as important, or as Jesus would say, are more important to know than the natural ones. These seasons can be individually or collectively. Our church detox series that we are doing is a spiritual season that we are all collectively doing together. And not because it was pulled out of the hat, but because the Lord spoke to leadership. I'm making a point of this because if you belong to this church, then take this series seriously. Why take it seriously? To answer that, let's look at what is a detox. What is a detox? The definition for a detox is, a detox is a process of time when we get rid of toxic or unhealthy stuff. Why? To improve life. So this church is in a process of time where our God is removing unhealthy stuff from our spirit life. So now that the season has been identified, we need to know what the Lord is saying and what he wants from us in our season. Joe started the series with blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had a real need. He was blind. He knew enough and was desperate enough that he prayed, he communicated to God. I think that we at times have some similarities with this story. We have a need. I'm blind. We communicate to God. We ask for help. I also think that we need to be aware that there are times that to unlock what we need the most from the Lord will require an action from us. Bartimaeus had to move from where he was to where Jesus was. The story for me personally, it just, it sticks out. It's crazy because I guess what I would have assumed before, you know, walking with God um, is, is that if there was a blind person and this God whose name was Jesus and he loves everybody and he's here to, here to heal everybody and set people free. If there was a blind person, my assumption was that, the, that Jesus would go to the blind person. He didn't. And I think that sometimes that we too need to see that actually we are the blind person that needs to move from where we are and we need to go to Jesus. And I think that in part, in this part of this detox that God wants us to move and to shift, because that's what detox is. Detox is taking something that's not good for me out and putting something that is good for me in. I think in part, God's saying to some of us, and I don't know who we are, but to some of us, I feel like the Lord's saying, you've got to move from where you are so I can give you for what you want. When Joe was preaching, he had these words, throw off. Bartimaeus had to throw off his garment. So here I am, I'm Bartimaeus, I'm the blind guy. This is my garment. 
I'm calling out to Jesus. Somebody says to me, he's heard you. He's saying, come over to him. This is what he had to do. He had to get up and he had to throw off. What does that represent? The garment was an outward, uh, the garment was an outward representation of who he was inwardly. This represented his blindness. This re represented his poverty thatness. This represented, I can't help me, poor me. That's what this is. And he had to throw that off. And when I was listening to Joe, that's what I felt like the Lord was saying. We've got to throw some stuff off. In the story, before the miracle takes place, God couldn't make the miracle happen until the man responded. They came to him. They said, Jesus is calling. I think sometimes we can hear it. I think sometimes worship is the key when Jesus is calling and we don't respond. Why? Because we're still expecting that in our, wherever we are in our lives, we're expecting God to come to us. We're expecting God to take the garment off. Throw off. Bartimaeus was willing to throw off the old to receive the new. So first, God tells us the season. It's detox season. It's a time to get rid of toxic stuff to your spirit life. And just as, just as in the story of blind Bartimaeus, Jesus called to Bartimaeus, Jesus is calling to us. And I'm talking to everybody that says this is your home. He's calling. He's calling to you. He's calling to me. God is wanting you and I to respond to him in this season. There's a couple of ladies I really admire that they, they do this gym thing and they eat differently to me. And, you know, I really admire them because it's not easy. But here's the truth. You know, they can do their program and forget about doing what they should do. And then the reality is that they both know that at the end of it, they're not going to get out of it what they want or what they need. God has given us a key for this, this season and the next. And here's the key. Throw off the old to receive the new. And here's the truth. I can't have both. We can't have both, folks. We can't hold on to our old stuff. Woe is me. I've always been like this. Do you know what? I can't help my finances. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying, you know, I can't have both. I can't hold on to this, have all these reasons and excuses why I can't change, and then still expect God to come. I have to come to a place like Bartimaeus and get, I'm desperate enough to go, you know what, I'm going to get rid of the old. I'm not sure, and I'll guarantee you that Bartimaeus was not sure when he threw his garment off what he was in for. But you know what I love about the guy? He had had enough of where he was. Luke 5.37 says, You can't put new wine into old wineskin. When we walk with God long enough, we understand that there are seasons that we go through. And with each season, no matter what they are, they all have the desired outcome. New wine. The use of new wine from Luke 5.37 means more of the Holy Spirit. More Spirit. So the expected outcome from the gates detox season is more Holy Spirit. First in my life as an individual and then second collectively. 
Luke 5.37 says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins because the new wine will burst. In biblical times, they would use dried animal skin, cut it into a bottle shape, sew it together and store liquid in it. And in this case, it was wine. And when you had drunk the wine, you couldn't put new wine into it because it would burst the wineskin and you would lose your wine. The science behind this is old wineskins had been stretched to the limit and had become brittle. I think the same could be said of us when God changes the season on us. He's saying you're at your limit. There is nothing left for you here. So maybe if you're feeling dry or bored with the God thing, maybe it's because your season ended and you didn't move on. And you know what? And this is, and I was doing this, I was like, I mean, I knew God was wonderful, but it was just like, wow, <laughs> he's really wonderful. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> and so I've just got this. God is wonderful because with each new season, there's always new wine. Each new season, there is always new wine. And remember, the key is throw off the old. Because if we don't, we won't contain the new wine. New wine's coming anyway. Do we get it? New wine is coming anyway. But if you're holding on to that old, if you're still going to stay in that old wineskin, you won't contain that new wine, and it will come, and it will flush out. And because I love you people, I love myself, and I love my family, I'm going to be honest with you. You won't change. So this is what I want to do just in this moment. All right, I just, look, you know, if I'm speaking to you, can we just close our eyes? Just right now, let's just re not respond to me, but, but let's just respond to God. Maybe you didn't know. Oh, detox, I didn't realize that was that's so important. Maybe you didn't realize that actually the season over your life right now is God wants to take out some of the yucky stuff that affects your spirit to put in new. So just right now, just, you know, you, you do business with God. If you need to say, you know what, Lord, I identify Lord, I see now, I understand that this is the season that you have me in. Maybe we are like blind Bartimaeus, and maybe that's, that spoke to you this morning. You know what, Lord, to receive the new, I've got to throw off old. Let's just respond to him, eyes closed. Um, Nancy brought a word to prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago and she had a picture and a picture was a broom and there was um, sh um, what's it, I was going to say shaft shaft debris that's a that's a nice English word there was de debris rubbish alright and so that was really cool and so you know what when God changes seasons on us he always confirms what he's doing and so I'm just going to mention that picture because this morning it was really evident that actually there was other stuff that quite easily could have distracted us from what God was wanting to do. And the truth is, is why is that happening? Is because of like if you can, the picture that Nancy had is, is, is that this is what God's doing. He's got a broom and he's in the house and he's sweeping. And he's sweeping out stuff. Not in the physical room, but in, in our spiritual rooms. Alan spoke last week about sin. God hates sin. And as his people, we need to hate sin too. 
We need to be detoxed from sin and the side effects of sin. And I'm going to be honest. I'm so honored to think I, li- I go to a church that speaks about sin because we need to. And we need to be okay with that and, and, and not have our heads down going, oh my gosh, they're just, it's not that at all. We're just cleaning stuff up. One of the definitions of sin was talking about the price for sin had been paid. As a Christian, I believe that God does not want us to feel guilty when we sin. I'm sorry, I stopped there because I think for a moment that some of us may be going, hey, what? That's new. All right. <clears throat> but rather when we sin, I think God would rather remind us that yes, that sin was paid for, so that there's no need to feel guilty. I think in truth that when we sin, this is what the Father wants from us. He wants to know we're loved. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't give permission for anybody to sin because here's, here's the truth, you don't need my permission. And I, I'm not for sin. And I'm not saying that because of these things that you should go out and sin. There's a claimer. Here's my example. When my son does something wrong, I don't want my son to feel guilty, head down, covered in shame, and fearful to approach me. When my son does wrong, I want him to feel so loved by me that he comes running to me. And as a loving father, I'm going to pick up my son. I don't want to drag out of him what's going on. I want my boy to feel so loved that he can tell me anything, including the wrong he's done. And then together we can move on. And I just feel like, in part, that that's what God wants to do is clean up his, this new system is we need to change that way we see him. He is not the big guy with a stick that's waiting to go, bang, you did wrong. That's not him. He's that guy. It's okay, I know what he's done, but I still love you and I want you to come into my arms. So I just believe, family, it's time to stop feeling guilty and ashamed and condemned for sin and instead know that you are loved because it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance dust in the atmosphere Uh, my, my message this morning is about our hearts when we become Christians and make that decision what we are doing is we're offering our heart to God so become a Christian and here's my heart and when I became a Christian I, I gave him my heart sometimes I think as Christians it is very easy to fall into the trap of thinking I've given my heart or my life to God and walk out, walk out life not realizing we need to give our hearts to God daily there's a moment let's just take a moment it is it is. I can't say I became a Christian in 1942 or whatever the time was and think that that was the only time that I made a decision that I gave my heart to God. The last decision that I made where I gave my heart to God was this morning. And the time before that was yesterday morning. But I'm going to be honest with you, okay? There was a time there that I didn't give my heart to God daily. And I learned that. And I really believe that in this, in, this, in this season that we're in, God's wanting us to shift to say, Ashley, I want your heart daily. Here's the truth. 
the day we get out of bed and don't make a conscious decision to give our heart to God is a, is a day where God is an add-on or an app in our lives. God has no intention of being an add-on. He wants to be the main thing. When we become Christians, we give our heart to God. Why our heart? Why not our lungs? They are the breath of life. Or our stomachs, because our stomachs teach us to hunger. Or our minds. After all, it is our decision maker. God is after our hearts because whoever rules your heart rules everything else about you. Our hearts are at the center of all spiritual activity. God created our hearts to dictate over our minds, our emotions, and our desires. And it's that simple. God wants our hearts because whoever has our heart has us. I could be married to someone and go through the correct behavior of a husband, but if my heart isn't in it. Let's see what the Word says about our hearts. <clears throat> Proverbs 4:23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their needs deserve. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Psalm 20, verse 4. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. 29, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Psalm 51, 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Proverbs 17:22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Matthew 6:21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life 
many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Proverbs 10, 8. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31, verse 24. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Psalm 119, 10. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, 12. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, 14. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. Psalm 119, 2. But be very careful to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold him fast, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Joshua 22, 5. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. Psalm 119, 7. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they, have, what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Mark eleven twenty three. Your statues are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Psalm 119, verse 111. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147, verse 3. Blessed are the pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 18. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. Render your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel 2 verse 13. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs 12, 46. In essence, I've got 46 scriptures there. I didn't read 46. I wanted to. <clears throat> And there's a reason why I read 46 scriptures. And that's not every scripture in the Bible that has the word heart in it. But it's this, because this is what I, this is out of those 46 scriptures, this has something to do with law. So this is your heart, because I'm talking about your heart. So these things that I'm about to mention, okay, has, this has something to do in here. Law, joy, hope, life, sickness, healing. Health, honesty, blessing, spirit, salvation, food, life, love, grace, reliability, worry, speaking, trust, worship, hope, gratitude, miracles, sadness, word of God, sin, fasting, selfishness, greed, listening, obedience, wisdom, evil, anger, marriage, protection, thoughts, reward, beauty, humility, planning, seeking, soul, purification, valuable, trust, dependence, pride, giving, generosity, materialism, courage, encouragement, planning, righteousness, prayer, speaking, seeking, serving, 
faith, trust. Can we see now why God wants our heart? Because all these things stem from it. There's one verse I do want to look at. It's Proverbs 4.23. And it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The scripture is self-explained, but as an important piece of information as a Christian. Being a husband, a father, a leader, a business person, a musician, or a pastor, or whatever we are, the way we are, the way we behave, the way we conduct ourselves, even the way we see ourselves, and whatever role we play in life comes out of here. Everything we do flows from our heart. And that's why the proverb starts off with guard your heart. I need to guard my heart from what I put into it because what I put into it will have effect on everything that comes out of it. One way I like to look at how the scripture, sorry, one, one way I like to look at the scriptures is like this. Fact number one, my life will be whatever comes out of my my life will be whatever comes out of my heart. into my heart will be my life. Here's a scenario. <clears throat> Family have gone to bed, wife's asleep, and I, do, I decide to watch porn. Apart from me and God, nobody knows because I'm smart enough to clear my history. Here's my, here's my heart. You don't have, I don't know if you watch porn, I don't know, but maybe you, something... Okay. That sneaky little cigarette that your partner doesn't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you drink too much. Maybe you go home and you curse and swear. But here, this is what I put into my heart. And in this case, it's fiery Diablo hot sauce. <laughs> but no, but that's right, Kelly. You're absolutely right. So Kelly's screwing her face up. Okay, well, cool, Kelly. <laughs> I know, but, but I'm serious. So Kelly's, but this is what we do. We do things that aren't good for us. We put them in our heart. And we've got no choice. There's no choice. I did that. I put that into my life. Oh, my gosh. Want a kiss? comes out of my heart is what I put in it. 
I know which one I'm preferring. That's my choice. And I want to encourage you this morning that, you know what, if you've got a messed up life, and I mean that in the nicest way, maybe it's because of what you're allowing into your heart. So this is the principle. Whatever I give permission, permit, whatever I give permission to enter my heart will actually work its way into my life. If I put negative stuff into my heart, negative stuff will work its way into the path of my life. If I put positive stuff into my heart, positive stuff will work its way into my life. Proverbs 4:23. Guard your heart against all that is negative your life comes out of it. I'm hoping now that we can see the real importance of our heart. Whoever or whatever has your heart rules you. And whatever is in your heart will be your life. So here I am. I've identified that God wants my heart. He wants my heart daily. And I've identified that the reason he wants my heart is because whoever has my heart has my life. And I've also identified that what I put into my heart will work its way into my life. Having all this in mind, and what sort of life would you and I have if you gave your heart to God daily and let him fill it? What sort of life would you have if you gave your heart to God each day and said you fill it? One day recently I dropped a bag of clothes at a church shop and as I went to leave she asked me to wait as she inspected the condition of the clothes. (laughs) Also one day recently a bag of clothes was dropped off for us and you could tell that the person who dropped it off had gone through their clothes to make sure that they were clean and in good condition. As we grow in the Lord, we must come to a place where we don't just give our heart. I don't mean to burp. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> no, it's, it's physical, not spiritual. <laughs> no, it's, anyway, um, oh my gosh, excuse me. <clears throat> As we grow in the Lord, we must come to a place where we don't just give our hearts to the Lord, but we need to see what condition our heart is in that we are giving Him. And just as the lady in the clothing store wouldn't accept anything unusual, God would have us inspect our heart with him that he may show us what is and isn't usable. Because the condition of our heart is critical in our walk with the Lord. So that that line there, I'll read it again, but it's only for Christians, okay? All right. The condition of your heart is critical with your walk with the Lord. We can have a proud heart, an idolatrous heart, an embittered heart, a stubborn heart, a hardened heart, and a deceitful heart. Now I'm going to read some signs. <clears throat> and what I'm hoping, because I'm not, what I'm, not, I'm not here going, you know what, Leanne, it's this in your life, and this is what you need to do. That, that's, not what, that's not what today is about. What today is about is, is that God goes, that's you. 
See, God wants a heart like this. It's soft, it's pliable, and He can do anything that He wants with it. And to be honest, this I'm saying, it's only to the Christians, actually, that's, that's the Christian I want to be. Sometimes I think that what God has to contend with are these calluses on our heart. And I think that in part, that what God's saying is, this, you know what, it's actually time to check the condition of your heart. And if I was a physical doctor, and as Mon and the family would would testify to, if I was a physical, physical doctor and I said it's time to check your heart out, you'd all sit there and you'd nod your heads. I would too. And I just feel like God being our spiritual doctor is saying, actually, what's more important is, is actually to check out the spiritual condition of your heart. So there is, here are some signs, some indications that maybe there's a callus on your heart. Signs of a proud heart. You don't need all these signs, but you might find that one of those things in there, God is just saying, that's, that's the pride that's on your heart. Signs of a proud heart. Fear. Pride is at the root of fear and anxiety. Entitlement. Ingratitude. People pleasing. You don't pray. Hypocrisy. Rebellion. These are signs of an idol idolatrous heart. And something is an idol in your life that causes you to disobey God. It gives you greater joy than God. It's what you enjoy talking about the most. It's what you fear losing the most. It's what you most enjoy spending time on. An embittered heart. You find it easy to hold a grudge against someone. When you see that person, you feel something sharp and ugly inside. When God blesses them, you wonder why. You complain a lot. You talk negatively about people because you don't get your own way. Signs of a stubborn heart. You hate change. You argue about everything. You have trouble admitting that you are wrong. You won't change your mind about things. And you avoid any information that contradicts your beliefs. A deceitful heart. You try to confuse others. You're argu argumentative. You don't like feedback. You avoid accountability. You live by your own rules. And you are a smooth talker. And I don't know. Those are just some of the signs. And what I'm praying is the Holy Spirit that you would you come right now on those that want to serve you, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come on those who are going, you know what, I want to give God my heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that those signs, Lord God, and, and other signs that maybe I haven't read out, I want to pray, Lord God, that, Father, that, that we'd be brave enough to say, Lord, show me the calluses on my heart. Let's just close our eyes. I, I, Lord, I, I do, I pray, I pray. Father, that we would have the courage, Lord, to say, show me my heart. That 
you would show the true condition of my heart, Lord God. Most often, they're not, when we are not happy with things in life, we pray and ask God to change the results, not our hearts. When we pray like this, we are asking God for an outward change without any inward change. If we first ask God to change our heart, then our outward circumstances would change. I need a change of marriage. I want to encourage you, stop praying for that other person. I hate my job. I dislike the people that I work with. I want to encourage you, stop praying for them. I never, I never seem to be able to fit all the bills. Or, and I've spoken to Leanne, and I'm talking to Leanne here. I always seem to be sick. This is, and I'm giving a key. This is a key. And you know what? And it was really great. Somebody that I know loves me and cares about me the other day, he says, you've changed. And I thought, well, I have changed. And I know I've changed. And part of the reason, so I'm not, you know, I don't want to come up here and tell you people, tell anybody to do something if I'm not living it. And one of the things where I changed is I've changed the way I prayed. And I stopped praying for God to change Leah. And instead what I did is I said, God, change my heart. And I want to pray that because I think that sometimes we get lost in thinking that if our circumstances change, we'd be happier. And I just, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that first and foremost is as ash is this. Once this changed, my circumstances change. And I've seen that happen. I do, I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage whoever's out there and there's just like the circumstances, you get frustrated or you're highly annoyed at times, whatever. This, this is, this is the key. I really believe this is the key. Ask God to change your heart. One page left. Our attitudes are an outward display of what's taking place in our hearts. We don't do attitudes in our house. We don't. We address them. Why? Because the attitude, so when I don't have attitudes, but when Leanne and Zachary and Joshua have an attitude, have an attitude <laughs> no, I'm being serious. When an attitude arises in our house, we, we, we get onto it because what, what's an attitude? This is an attitude. An attitude is an outward display that something's not right with my heart. Hello? And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you for families at home. You know, if your wife or yourself or your children come out with an attitude, it's because of this. Something's not right in here. And it's okay. So this is what we do in our house. So we go, I'm going to pick on Zachary because he's here. I'm going to go, Zach, you know, because Zachary will, oh, 
All right. And we're like, oh, there's the outward sign. It's an attitude. There's an outward sign that something's not right in his heart on the inside. So we're like, stop, stop, stop. Calm down. We get out the brain brown paper bag. He breathes in that. He goes through all of that. And then when he's calm, we ask him, and I'll be honest, what's going on there? And then he says, oh, Dad, Mum ate my ice cream. <laughs> but you know what? This, and this is how. This is what we've noticed. We replace the ice cream, and he's and we, we we deal with what was going on there. He's okay, and so and so what we've noticed, and I'm not you know this is all of us. I, you know this is <laughs> this is this is the thing. He used to explode like this, like we all can, but because we're dealing with attitude and we're dealing with the issues of the heart as it comes along, he only explodes here. And because he knows what the outcome will be when he's calmed back down again, we're going to talk this through. That You know what? He knows that actually he finds peace for his heart. Our attitudes are an outward display of what's taking place in our hearts. When our hearts focus in the right place, our attitudes will too. The only thing we have to lose by choosing a positive attitude is a negative one. Bad attitude doesn't come on its own. It brings its friends. Some of these friends are gloomy, ingratitude, complaining, envy, jealousy, anger, just to name a few. Bad attitudes come from a heart in the wrong place. In truth, a bad attitude comes from a place where we didn't get our own way and we didn't get what we think in our heart we deserve. And in our times of bad attitude, we act and live as though God has been unfair with us. And this, my friends, drags our troubles out longer. And I finish with a quote from Jeremy Burroughs. <clears throat> the devil is the most dissatisfied creature in the world. He is the proudest creature that is, and the most discontented creature, and the most gloomy creature. Now, therefore, so much, dis so much discontent as you have, so much of the spirit of Satan you have. Does it speak to anybody today? Uh, Barnes, come here, Barnesies. Cool, you're spiritually leading. I want to, I do, I just want to, hey, you know what? It's about this, folks. All right, detox season, it's about this. Show me the calluses on my heart, Lord God. So that, that this can be my heart. And then I give you my heart, and I give you my heart daily. And I want to put good in my heart, because the good that goes in there, Lord, will just be in my life. I used to watch porn. Well, actually, I didn't. Sorry, that's a lie. Um, read would be the correct word. Um, they came in book form. Um, but, and you know what? And I, there was a time there where I didn't want to give it up because I didn't want to give it up. Because, I, I, because the word says, you know, there's pleasure in sin just for a season. But I got to a point, it was like this. I had to come to a place where I had to say, you know what, God? I'm understanding now more and more that dealing with my heart affects them. And I began to realize more and more that this journey that I'm on with God in my heart is more, is not just about me. 
And I wanna, I'm, I'm just saying that because you know what? Uh, uh, the, the Bible says that, that, that fathers are the spiritual head of the house. Come on, dads. Come on, dads. Don't just change your heart for you. You're doing it for your household. Holy Spirit, come. If there's anything this morning that you just feel like, man, that's me, you know, uh, you got to be like Bartimaeus, you know, it was a physical reaction, he had to physically do something. Just want to encourage you now, would you stand? So I'm the first, I'm the first one to say, you know what, God, if there's anybody in my house that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be changed, this is me, I say me, deal with me. I want to talk to anybody that's in some sort of leadership that's standing up right now, whether it's leadership in your, in your, in your workplace, in the marketplace, or in this house, or in your home, I want to pray. Would you just come out? Would you come out to the front? Would you be brave enough to go, you know what? Come deal with me, oh God.
God's saying, don't rush it. Just stay in it. 